Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, Podcast World, welcome to the 795th episode of FNO InsureTech. That's almost right. I, I was a little, I, that, that was an exa- <laughs> I exaggerated a little, a little bit. A little bit of an exaggeration. I exaggerated a little bit because the quality of our guest today is so high, you'd think, oh my gosh, they must have seven over 700 episodes. You, would, so, you would think that. You would think that. Uh, truth be told, we don't. We only have over, we only have several hundred, but that's not important. What's important is, welcome to another amazing, incredible, stupendous, and super interesting and informative episode of FNO InsureTech, your leader in the world of InsureTech podcasts. That's right. We are the leader. Often imitated, never surpassed. (laughs) You've been thinking about that one, haven't you? (laughs) No, actually, it just came to me in the moment, in the moment. How are you, Lee? What's going on? (laughs) I put you on the spot, didn't I? You you did. Uh, You did. You uh, you know, Rob, so here's the the thing. Actually, I work at home these days, and so sometimes I leave my window open, Uh and right now my wife and my neighbor are speaking right outside the window yeah we can and hear it in the and background it's a little bit yeah it, so i don't know what to do about that mm-hmm. yeah we hear it that's that's how homey our podcast is <laughs> that is how homey it is. we <laughs> bring you it can, straight from our homes two years you can hear our significant others talking in the background that's right yeah. uh literally yeah. just standing right there uh yeah because we're sharing the bathroom with them while that's we're right. doing the podcast. That's sure. right. Uh-huh. So it's a very exciting time. Very exciting time. Well, so about a minute ago, <laughs> that's right. In case you're wondering, Lee's studio and office are in his garage. That's as right. Are, as are his cars. So, as are my cars. My wife parked right outside, which is great. But like I said, my my garage window and my garage door are open, so I can hear everything. Uh huh. Uh huh. Lee's still adjusting to this whole this whole at home work thing. It has so, it has taken it has taken a little bit of time. But, it's taken a little bit of time. But now we're going to talk about something much more interesting, and that's our guest today. Yeah. So sometimes we have on guests who we've never heard of. Yeah. And sometimes we from organizations that we've never heard of who do things that we've never heard of. Is that, that fair to say? That is fair to say. There have been those times that somebody came on and we said, who in the world is this and what in the world do they do? That's not today. That is not today. Because sometimes we have on guests who we've heard of. Yeah. Who who run companies that we've heard of mm-hmm. and who influence the entire uh ecosystem of the insurance industry um, in, 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 in very important ways. And that's our guest today. Yeah. I don't think that we can build this company and the guest up enough because of how pivotal they are in the insurance space. You can't Google a major insurance carrier without seeing the name AM Best, right? That, that's right. And we have today the president and CEO, Matt Mosier, as our guest on FNO InsureTech, and uh, you're gonna you're gonna love this interview. You are. Matt's gonna talk all about what AM Best Rating Services is. You know how it started, the importance of it, how someone gets the rating, what it means, and then we're gonna dive into a little bit about how InsureTech and MGAs and banking are all um, issues or or good or bad within the insurance space. So it, it's going to be a good conversation. And even a little really interesting perspective on climate change. Yes, you um, did. Yeah. And the climate change um, debate. Uh, and and is it or is it not? And uh, so you'll you'll hear about all that. And but a, a wonderful, pleasant, uh, very intelligent, very accomplished man 
And um, these are the kind of interviews that you've come to expect from FNL Big deal. Sure Tech. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal. Big deal. So without further ado. Hey, should we also say a shout out to AM Best TV for oh, having us right. on? That's I'm pretty right. sure we should say that. Why don't you go ahead? We want to say thank you to AM Best TV. If you haven't had an opportunity uh, to look at AM Best TV, Rob and I did an interview uh, with them where they asked all about the podcast, kind of the founding story and, and how it's changed. And we really appreciated them letting us on and and we enjoyed it. So if you haven't had a chance, you know, look that up. I'm sure I'm sure Al can get that posted to the socials again. If you're wondering why um, it's often been said that Lee and I have a face for radio. <laughs> yeah, watch, you have said that numerous times. <laughs> you watch watch this episode of um AM Best Television, and you'll you see can also thing. see my at-home office and see that it doesn't look like I work in a garage, just in a wood shop. Mm, okay, okay, wood shop. So, without further ado, here is our interview with the president and CEO of AM Best Rating Services, Matt Mosier. Hey, everybody! We are here with a luminary, a very special guest for our little podcast to have on. We have Matt Mosier with us today. Matt is the president and CEO of AM Best Rating Services. Welcome to FNO InsureTech. Thanks for coming. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, We're excited um, to get to talk to you today. It's, 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 a, it's a privilege to have you with us. We know that you're a busy man who has your hands in a lot of pots. And that's what we want to talk about today is, uh, is what the heck you do and who is this AM Best Rating Services. So let's start there. In the information on your company, I found that AM Best Rating Services is our purpose is to strengthen the financial solvency, stability, and sustainability of the insurance industry in support of economic growth and well-being of stakeholders. That sounds like a lot. Thank you for reading it because it, it, <laughs> it, it really is the premise of, you know, and whenever anybody asks me what is AM Best about, that's what I go back to. Uh, it really does matter. Um, the fact that we're focused on that and that our employees understand that that's what we're focused on. Otherwise, you can get off the track and go down and, and look at new things. You can look at gross. You can look at all kinds of different aspects that, that take your employees focus off of what you're really trying to do. And I use the example all the time. If, if our analysts are not asking the right questions, somebody might not get paid for an insurance claim. And, you know, we are there to make sure that companies are operating in a, in a standard um, that supports their policyholders. And, and that's what our ratings are about. It, it kind of differentiates the strong from the weak uh, and, and the better performers uh, of and, and servicers in the insurance industry from the weaker insurance industry. So that purpose is what we live and die by in terms of our, our overall operation. So does that make you guys kind of a scary to a, a, a lot of people in the insurance industry. It's like, oh no, AM Best is knocking at the door. Um, what do we do? <laughs> Hide, don't answer. But seriously, you're an important part of the whole ecosystem of what holds this thing up. Is that correct? And that's a kind of a powerful perch that you guys sit on. Is that fair to say? We get that from companies and there are companies that look at it from the perspective of, oh no, AM best. And we work very hard to have companies understand that this is a dialogue and working back and forth. We are not allowed to be a consultant. We're not allowed to give advice. We can only evaluate the position a company is in, but it's not intended to be this process of, you know, scary auditor, scary regulator. But inevitably, it's going to have that feeling for a company. It's a test for them. And that's, that's kind of the way they look at it. Uh, we do view it as, as trying to provide positive information, sharing information that we hear in the industry so that companies can work from that. What we see from some of the better companies is very simply that you know they'll look at it as a learning experience. 
when we're asking about issues, they look, it's a learning experience and they'll look to kind of go back to their management team and, and understand what, what are we doing about this issue? AM Best asked us about it. It must be an important issue. But inevitably, it's gonna, there's going to be a case where companies are, uh, I don't know if afraid is the right word, but cautious, concerned when they're talking to AMBEST. But uh, those that are doing uh, a strong job come in very confident is the way we typically see it. I read on a on a leading insurance company's website here in America uh, that they received high marks from AM Best, a well-known organization that provides insurance ratings based on each insurance company's financial conditions and ability to pay claims. Why does a company need or choose to have an AM best rating? Is it for advertising or is it for reinsurance? What is the value to the company? I think there's many different reasons. You mentioned a few, the reinsurer, reinsurers view it. It really comes in as a third party perspective of the organization. And it's more, sometimes we're referred to by some organizations as the de facto regulator, but we don't view ourselves as a regulator. We we do one portion of a huge job that regulators do, but we do evaluate financial strength. But the difference between us and a regulator is the regulators pretty much pass fail. From AM Best, we're looking at it from a spectrum of financial strength and who's mm. stronger capitalization, who has better performance, who has a better position in the marketplace and provides better service and services their clients better that protects their overall operation. It really is one of these things where our rating comes back to being that kind of stamp of a level of strength, a level of performance that a company has. So you'll see reinsurers that look at it. Regulators often look at it. When you go outside the US, you'll have companies that are looking at it from the perspective or countries that are looking at it. When you want to go from one country to another in operation, that regulator very often looks at it as well. Okay, you're rated by a regulated rating agency. We accept that as being kind of a stamp of approval for acceptance into the into the country. Ultimately, third parties can look at it if you're you're operating in terms of a contractor and do you have the rating? It just ensures that somebody can look at it and say, okay, somebody evaluated this organization and they have that financial strength. Uh, a stamp of approval that's out there. But it's it's really something that's built up over years. And we've been in business since 1899 reporting our companies. We've been assigning ratings since 1905. And wow. you know that history has, has built up. The, the number of uses just continues to build up. Uh, historically, it was written into a lot of regulations in terms of you have to have an A rating to be accepted on business. So over time, the uses have continued to increase, uh, but it really comes back to the evaluation of financial strength. I guess I'm assuming that companies come to you and ask to be rated so that they can they can move forward as a company. Is that how that works? They do. We don't rate everybody. They have to. It's, it's a voluntary process. It's not a you know, we don't go in and, and assign ratings to a company that doesn't ask for it. So they'll okay. come. To, they'll come to us. We'll walk them through the process of, of what can be done. And it can be anything from a, a brand new startup, which is a business plan and a management management team with a knowledge base and a book of business that they want to start a company to a company that's been around for 50 years. Um, we will evaluate their operation in terms of the, the governance, the management team, the potential performance. Uh, if it's a startup, the new, the new business that they, the, that they expect to have on their books and their knowledge in the insurance industry and in their specific market. But it, it always starts with them approaching us. Uh, we, we will approach companies and ask them, would you, you know, we think a rating might be a value to you and here's why right. we think it'd be a value, but right. they can always close the door on us and, you know, some do. So those carriers are your customers. They are the people we provide service to. It is, uh, you know, we follow what we refer to as the issuer pay, which is that, you know, the company is what pays for a rating as opposed to a subscriber pay basis. But the other customers are the users of the rating. So it's kind of, there's two sets of customers. Right. Um, it, it really is 
the, the company decides there's value, we're going to get value and the value goes to because of the people that utilize the rating. And if, right. if like, nobody's utilizing the rating, then a company's not going to want to get a rating. So it's a circle. It is. It is. You has to, there has to be a demand. And I think, I think our track record is what creates the demand mm-hmm. and thus companies typically come and to get a rating from AM best for that reason. So is AM best the only rating agency there is? Uh, no, absolutely not. I mean, there are, there are others. Others are more focused. Some are, some are more focused on the capital markets where companies issue debt and they, they're more focused on rate, rating the bonds that, that companies would issue than they are on the financial strength. They might not go as deep into the insurance industry as we do. They might only rate publicly traded companies. Um, I, I think they would, they would provide the service if requested, but they don't make a, a big push for it in that regard. There are also smaller rating agencies out there that, that um, have their own niche that, that they look at. It all comes back to who's demanding what ratings and why do the ratings provide value? If you're not providing value, nobody's going to want to get the rating. And I'd say, you know, you ask, are there other rating agencies? There are other rating agencies that provide coverage across all industries. And I always tell our analysts, we have to be the best at insurance. If we're not the best at insurance, why would somebody want to come to AM best because they can get insurance and all the other industries from, from somebody else. Um, you know, our focus being on insurance, we have analysts that are come from an insurance background. We develop people utilizing, focused on an insurance background, whether it be actuarial exams, underwriting uh, issues. Uh, we also develop them with uh, certified financial analyst uh, cre- accreditations. So we focus on developing towards insurance analysis. So tell us the story, how you got into insurance as your focus. Is that how it all started in 1899? Yes. Actually, A.M. Best is a person, but Alfred M. Best uh, started the company in 1899. He started by reporting on companies because there, at that point, the regulation was much, there's much weaker environment for regulation of insurance companies. And he started reporting on the financial strength of insurance companies. And then in 1905, the New York regulator asked Mr. Best to actually uh, to rate the surplus lines carriers in the state of New York, which were at that point unlicensed, but they could come in and write business. And the regulator wanted to better understand the strength of these companies that were coming in and writing business on an unregulated basis. So he set up a system to evaluate companies in 1905 in that manner. And then in 1906, he expanded it to all companies that are operating in the US, um, he, he started assigning ratings in that manner. At that point, it wasn't necessarily in the same manner that we do it now, where it's based on uh, you know a voluntary basis. He actually went out, got their financials, and assigned a rating to them. So it was a, an involuntary basis, but started assigning the ratings. And you know, it, it provided value for people. So there was a demand for those ratings. And that's that's how the business started and, and has worked through over, you know. For probably the first 80 years of our existence, we were the only rating agency that was focused on insurance financial strength. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And you know, over the past year or two, longer than that, but over the past year or two, I mean, ratings are always at the forefront of the news, especially whenever we talk about the Florida market, right? There are companies who have become insolvent because they can't get the reinsurance because they weren't rated correctly, you know, in, in a nutshell there. But I mean, is there a lot of pressure on you as a rating service to make sure that you're always accurate in your findings? What What is your QA process like whenever you, you go through something like that? Yeah. I, I mean, obviously our, I won't call it accuracy. It's, it's, it is an opinion, but the, the, quality of the assessment and the rating that we assign is extremely important. That's our calling card. Um, and, and if if we have companies that are highly rated that are failing, obviously that's going to, that's going to lower the demand of the ratings and all of the, all of the rating agencies that are uh, regulated by the sec have to uh, perform, uh, provide what is referred to as a form NRSRO exhibit one. And what that does is it looks at all the ratings, uh, that were and what their rating was a year ago, and how many of them failed, 
three years ago and how many of those failed and 10 years ago and how many of those failed. Mm. So it gives, it does provide a track record for anybody that wants to look at it. And if you, if you just Google the rating agency you want and form NRSRO, you can, it, you'll find that, that, that track record on every, every company. Um, so, you know, you mentioned Florida, um, that, that comes down to the, the issue of homeowners and, and yeah. what, what the ratings, you know, are that are, that are there. You need a rating f- for insurance and, and have insurance. You need to have insurance from a, a rated insurance company with a certain acceptable rating for Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae. One of the issues there is what's the standard that they established when they first established all those standards, not all the rating agencies were providing the form NRSRO. When they first accepted AMBES ratings, we were not SEC regulated. We weren't providing the form NRSRO. But now all the rating agencies that are out there are providing the form NRSRO. And you can look at the differentiation between them. And you know, part of the issue is when you look at Florida, we don't rate many companies in Florida. Most of the companies right. we rate are subsidiaries of major companies that are that are writing in Florida. You know, you'll see that there's a lot of high, you know, a lot of acceptable ratings per Freddie and Fannie's level from rating agencies that you know other than AMBES because those companies can't get the acceptable rating for an AMBES rating. Uh, it's just because there's different standards. There's each rating agency establishes their own methodology and that methodology results in the standard of their ratings and what the default, what I refer to as default ratio, which is basically, I I mentioned how many companies default after one year, three years. So their, their methodology will ultimately give them a grade and what their default ratio is. And, um, what you'll see if you look at the form NRSRO is the default ratios are different uh, from from rating agency to rating agency, and that's why a company in Florida, not not many companies in Florida, can get an acceptable rating from AMBES because we do have a higher standard in our methodology, is the way I look at it. Otherwise, we wouldn't have that stronger default ratio. Is it a higher standard, or are you just looking at aspects, different qualities of the company than others do? You know, you could say we we look at things differently. For the most part, I, I would say we would all purport to be looking at similar things. It's how you look at it. For example, there's one rating agency that markets down there that they don't have it. They don't use a capital model. We use a capital model. We look at the model, the the catastrophe exposure, the, the you know that comes out of the catastrophe models, and we look at the capital in a modeled basis and look at the likelihood of default based on that capital model. Um, in other cases, it, it's probably just a different perspective. But the reason I say we look at it at a higher standard is because we can't get to those same ratings. So there, if, if we can't get to the same rating looking at the same thing, it's typically because we do have a higher standard in terms of what we're having. Usually it revolves around the catastrophe exposure and their ability to absorb catastrophe, as well as the ongoing track record. We will look at a company and say, well, yes, you have plenty of capital today. And when you look at uh, an insurance company, they file their financial statement, but you get it three months later. So you're already three months behind where their capital right. is and how much money they have in the bank. Right. Their, their operating performance and, and are they making money or losing money is going to continue to move that where they're at over time. And then their business profile is what protects that profitability. So profitability is tomorrow's capital. And if you have a company with lots of capital, but is losing money, we, we tend to place a, a fair amount of weight on that because claims are not paid today. They're paid Correct. down the road. So that profitability and exposure to a catastrophe, the level of exposure to a catastrophe may mean that you might be fine when you buy your policy, but six months later, that company won't be there. Well, exactly. I mean, just because if there's a, to to use your three month, you know, three month in arrears uh, uh, statement, Mm -hmm. you could have a, you could have a hurricane in October. Yep. And you could look really good. I'm sure your financials could look perfectly good in October, right? And maybe even in November. 
they, they like, might even be good. I was going to say they might even be good at year end because the claims, it takes a while for the claims to accumulate and, and be filed. But obviously one of the primary um, uh, reasons for ratings of, of insurance companies is reinsurance. And there are reinsurers that are, that are accepting ratings from these other ones that who, who may, whose standards may be different or analysis may be different. Is that because reinsurers, I mean, how do, how do you explain that? When you look at what rating you're using, everybody's got a, a view of the rating they're using. So it's not like somebody will say, well, that rating provides no value. It's just when you use it, you consider where the rate, what the rating is and what, what your comfort is with it. Somebody else might be perfectly com- comfortable with an A and best rating or a, another rating agency's rating um, at, the, at the same level. Some, whereas a, a, another person might say, well, no, A and best, I, I don't believe in A and best rating. It, it, that's all a matter of opinion. And we view our, we're providing information because a reinsurer is going to do their own due diligence too and look at it and say, yes, I, I see value or I don't see value in an AM best or one of the other rating agencies and how much credit do I give it when I, when I go to write my reinsurance program with the, that company. I'd like to talk a little bit about how insurance has, has changed, you know, in, in 1905 AM best started out, um, you know, with insurance companies and insurance companies were insurance companies. And today we have seen this huge, this huge rise in MGAs mm-hmm. or, or MGUs uh, who are writing on behalf of insurance carriers. Now, I was just curious, is there any rating or is there anything that AM Best does uh, for the MGAs or the MGUs out there? Is there anything being done right now for them? Uh, absolutely. We And we just started uh, recently because of the growth in MGAs. And we've seen tremendous growth over the last five even probably a little before that years, you know, five years, we've seen a tremendous growth in the, the use of MGAs. Some of it relates to, you know, you guys look at a lot of in, uh, in the insure tech space. Some of it relates to the insure tech aspect, utilizing their expertise in the underwriting of business and then placing it with carriers. What we saw was with the growth of MGAs, we felt it was important for us to look at the MGAs more closely because they're, they're the people doing the underwriting and in some case claims handling and providing that service to the insurance companies. They can have a material impact. And we've seen it historically. If you go back into say the 1990s, MGAs created a real risk for, for the companies that really concentrated on their use. So this performance assessment we have looks at the overall performance, uh, the underwriting quality of an MGA. It looks at the talent and training of the, uh, that the MGA provides to its people. So if it's just a two or three person shop, or is it a hundred people with actuaries on staff, which many MGAs have now, we look at that. Uh, we look at the financial con- uh, condition of the MGA itself. And then the breadth of, of programs that they have and the relationships they have with companies and the longevity that they have. Because if you're an MGA that's moving from company to the company, um, th- there's a misalignment in uh, what your, the business that you might pass to a company. Because an MGA gets paid mainly on a commission basis, just a percentage of the premium, whereas the insurance company has to pay for the losses that come through. Right. So this this program we refer, we refer to it as a, a performance assessment, and we refer to MGAs and, and all the other types like companies as delegated underwriting authority enterprises. Um, basically, they have delegated authority from the companies, um, and it, it fits to our purpose because with the increased growth in MGAs, they're they are bringing managing a larger and larger portion of the business that companies are taking on. Sure. And we'll have a bigger impact on insurance companies. So it's, we want to look it, at it. It's a material uh, impact. It could be a material impact on yeah. a whole different organization's ability to pay claims. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yes. the, the, the way that the MGA is is uh, behaving or writing business could, uh, in an extreme, bring down 
that underwriting company, the, the, the insurance company, the carrier that's backing the, the line of business. Yep. Right. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And, we, and we've seen, it. as I mentioned in, in the nineties, there were issues related to it. We saw already this year, we saw, I think it was Trishura that took an $80 million Canadian dollar charge for the fact one of their MGAs didn't have the appropriate reinsurance in their in their captive, and that loss rolled back over to to Trishora. So the insurance company had to take on loss that it wasn't expecting because the MGA didn't properly manage their business. And so is that is that AM best rating services goal to be able to put this approval this this rating on an MGA so that they can go to carriers and it'll kind of stand on their own two feet? Is that, is that the goal of AM Best? Well, it's, it's, it's similar to, to the rating. I mean, it, it, we believe it provides value. We believe it provides value because we provide a third-party perspective on it. And I, I've heard many people say, well, look, you know, we already do this evaluation. We don't necessarily need you to do the evaluation. Well, th- it's very similar, again, back to the rating. We're right. providing a third-party evaluation. We're taking away the relationship aspect that, that a company and an MGA might have and looking at it from a third-party perspective and providing that per, that perspective that's there. We've had interest from regulators in terms of what are we doing and why is there value in it? And in some cases, it started out with a regulator saying, well, who, why would AMBEST be doing this? What value is it? And when we have the conversation, they understand that just like a rating, the third-party evaluation and assessment does provide value to the industry for usage and, and and it's additional knowledge for them to use. Ultimately, the insurance company has to decide, are they going to do business with the MGA or not? So let's talk about InsureTech. Is InsureTech and InsureTech um, insurers, because InsureTech is much broader than just um, carriers or carrier-like entities, is that a wrinkle for you guys? Tell us about the relationship that you have with the insure tech world. I view the insure tech space as an innovative lab for how insurers can manage their business. In some cases, it's solutions uh, in service. In other cases, it's providing information for their underwriting process. Uh, the insure tech space is just a- another approach to insurance. And, and what's going on there. So what we're trying to do is we, we always want to make sure we understand the new technology. What are they doing? What are the different ways they're looking at risk? And how does that then impact an insurer? And in some cases, the insure tech organization is the insurer. If you look at like a hippo or, or some mm-hmm. of the, the, right. the auto writers, um, they're utilizing the technology and they're actually taking the risk on themselves. Uh, in other cases, it's service and, and uh, technology that is bolted on to insurance carriers to help them evaluate risk. But we need to understand that process. And then it goes back to the same old financial strengths, I think, that, that we look at of, you know, do you have the capital or, you know, how are you evaluating the risk and underwriting the risk? Uh, how you gather the data and, and what data you're looking at. It will will have an impact on your overall risk profile as an organization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have insure tech companies coming to you and 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 asking for your services? A few. Um, again, I think some in some cases um, they have you know they prefer other rating agencies because you know they need a rating for the capital markets and what what they can get because you know for them it's all about making sure they continue to generate additional capital to grow because they're looking to, gr- to grow their business. In a lot of cases, there's very, there's very few of them that are actually taking on risk. So we don't, we don't necessarily go out and just rate and insure tech in any in one way. The PA is, is some aspect, the performance assessment, because if they are underwriting risk for carriers, we can evaluate them that way um, and assess what, what they're doing and how they how they evaluate risk and what their services to the carriers, but it's for the most part right now what we're seeing in the MGA space is is a service provider that we don't it doesn't fit our our spectrum of how we evaluate things. You must have a lot of data, 
right? You've been you've been raiding companies for over 100 years. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that companies are getting stronger or with increased competition, increased number of insurance companies, MGAs, InsureTech starting up, are companies getting weaker or are companies getting stronger? I would definitely, I have to say companies are getting stronger. Just like you mentioned, we have more data, they have more data. And I go back Mm -hmm. to when I was an analyst and I'm sitting across the table from a CEO and the CEO is telling me, we will never write to an underwriting loss. And the only thing going through my mind was, I wish you would tell your underwriters because they sure as heck are writing to an underwriting loss. (laughs) Um, You know, because he didn't have the data. Now, these CEOs have the data the next day. Right, it used right. to be you'd get Real a monthly time. report. The right. data is right there. And, and the, especially the companies, you know, the startups in terms of the technology, they don't have the legacy data issues at all. Yeah, everybody right. you know, recognize yeah. insurance companies, because, because they're about data, they have, there's a lot of older insurance companies that have the legacy issues with their data all working through it. But they all have gotten to the point where they really do have good information real time. You know, the, the old cycle of really high loss ratio, strong, you know, lower mm-hmm. loss, you know, increased premiums and lower loss ratios and backup. You don't see that volatility anymore. You see it micro in certain markets because, I don't know, claimants understand a, a new way or a lawyer gets involved in something and, you know, all of a sudden you get a spike in claims. But it takes and it takes some time to to work through it. But for the most part, companies are much more quickly uh, addressing those issues and are able to underwrite uh, in that manner. Um, and you know, to your point, I mean, we have a we have a lot of data and it allows us to look at things closely. And I, I think what it does is it makes our our discussions, uh, you know, that much more fruitful because there's so much more information to get behind when we talk to the companies. Right. I'm curious about the you you say that that it generally in, in a general sense high level um the companies are stronger you hear a lot uh Lee and I work for Alacrity Solutions we're involved in the claims end of the business and we hear a lot about profitability and complaints about uh, profitability and pressures about profitability today most especially in the personal lines market, um, because of inflation, both inflation, how inflation affects property and how inflation affects auto. And um, I'm sure that one of the one of the interesting perspectives that you guys have is the perspective of of performance over time. Mm -hmm. Right. And things that are trends that were probably catastrophic trends, you know, who knows, 60, 70 years ago that eventually faded and went away. Is that how you look at the, that, that perspective of time? Does that help you guys look at uh, and counsel um, about, you know, how things are today um, and, and understanding and putting it in perspective? Well, you know, I think there's always changes in the industry that that constantly are, are, are evaluating, you know, we're, we're evaluating what that impact is going to be. You know, you mentioned, you know, the property and the trend. I mean, you saw, you've seen announcements from State Farm, all state nationwide now and, and all of them. And, you know, you, you brought up inflation. I mean, I, I uh, spoke at the Casualty Actuarial Society uh, last month. And to me, as an actuary, that's the biggest issue you're going to face. It's easy to project losses when inflation is 2% and it's been 2% 2 to 3% for the last 20 years. When you start seeing inflation go up and go down, that's where actuaries, it's almost an impossible job to project where losses should be, where rates should be. And it makes the job that much more tougher. And to to Lee's last question, is the industry in a better position? It absolutely is on a capital basis. It has more capital, but the risk continues to change. You have the inflationary aspects, you have climate change and, and what's going on with the, what used to be thought of as well, the secondary perils of tornado or hail or things like that. You know, if you were concentrated in Kansas, you know, you had, you know, 
you could really get hit hard. Now it doesn't matter where you're located. It seems like you can get hit with a tornado. And if, if you're concentrated, that's, that's going to be an issue. So they're dealing with so many new risks, but, um, that's the, that's the whole aspect of the insurance industry, continuing to evolve and figure out how to manage it. Some of it comes back to the good old fashioned insurance theory of diversify your risk and making sure you're not concentrated in there. Um, and, and, you know, we, we are always talking to companies about how are they ensuring that they're in front of their risk of if, it, if it's concentration of risk or changing or legal issues, whether you're regulated by a state, whether it's a regulatory issue within a state or it's weather, you know, what is it that you're doing to manage your risk and how are you uh, staying focused on it, staying ahead of it? I want to talk about banking for a minute. I know you guys don't rate banks, but the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, uh, Signature, and, and and a few others obviously occupied a big spot in the news um, for 15 minutes and, um, and still a, a concern. How do you guys view that kind of trouble? And couldn't we, could something like that happen in the insurance industry? Uh, if you look at Silicon Valley Bank, it absolutely could happen in the insurance industry on the life side, particularly where you're talking about long tail issues and, and risk and managing the, the whole issue of, of interest rate risk. Um, we're constantly looking at the asset management of organizations to make sure that they are properly invested. If, if you're, long on, on if, if, you know, and that's, that's the issue with Silicon Valley is that right. they, they had long investments and sh at a short interest, at a low interest rate environment. And when interest rates went up, the value of their assets went down. We're constantly looking at companies from that perspective on the life side. And then even on, on the property casualty side, the same type of thing. If you're a, a, a medical malpractice writer or somebody that's dealing in longer tail liability, are you, how are you managing your assets to ensure that you're properly allocated to minimize the risk? You're not going to get rid of it. Let's face it. If interest rates go up, your val the value of your bonds that you have hold at two per paying 2% is going to go down, going to happen. Mm -hmm. But are you managing that risk so that if interest rates do go from 2% to 7% or 6%, that it's not going to put you underwater in terms of the level of capital? And then the other issue is, what is your short-term cash need? You know, we're more concerned in that type of environment with a, a catastrophe writer that that has that could get hit tomorrow with a cash need on the on the property. So on the life side, you have the whole issue of disintermediation, and you could get a run on the bank, and people say, "I want my money." On the property casualty side, you can't go to your insurer and say, "I want my money." Uh, yeah, right. and there has to be a reason for a claim. Right. So then it comes back to, okay, what type of business are you writing? And the one that always will get you is if you're writing, well, Florida homeowners, um, <laughs> you, you best not be invested in long-term in, you know, securities and write Florida homeowners. So we are constantly talking to companies about the, the management of their assets and how it fits together with their liabilities and, and what the risk is and how do they manage their risk. That's, that, that was the issue with yeah. Silicon Valley Bank. They, I mean, I looked at it, you know, I was smart enough to look at a fact I had a, a, a variable rate line of credit in, in February of 2022, and I might want to turn that into a fixed rate uh, before the interest rates went up. I, I, can't, I can't understand how Silicon Valley Bank missed that. Yeah, they were bankers, right? That was kind of the fundamental part of their job, like it, you're saying. It, absolutely. That's what uh -huh. bankers are supposed to do, and they missed it. Mm -hmm. I I think that the all the repercussions of how of how the ma macroeconomic uh, environment has changed are just different today, and it happened in a year, right? It yep. went from this long-standing low in low interest, uh, low inflation environment to not in a short period of time. And if and if you were busy having parties. You might have missed that. And, and just related to, you know, back in, it was probably 20 years ago when the whole issue of enterprise risk management became, started to be 
become discussed and everything. Now companies, and it goes again to back to the question that Lee asked about, are companies in a better position? They are because they, they really truly are looking at the risks that could occur. They're doing yeah. many more scenario tests and understanding what could impact them down the road. They're not going to find everything, but most of them, like the good companies are looking at it from the perspective of what if. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So first of all, we're very grateful to have you with us today. This is uh, this is a real kind of a privilege for us yes. uh, to, to be able to speak with you and for you to give us the time. We're, we're very grateful. There's one question I'd like to ask you on the way out, and that is you guys give your opinion. It's an opinion, as mm -hmm. you keep saying. Um, I want to talk about climate change for a second, because climate change Depending who you talk to, climate change is an is an opinion. It's it's real. It's not real. But setting the political discourse aside for a second, how are you guys looking at climate change? And and you're probably looking at it by the numbers, right? I mean, not yeah. by opinion, but by gut feelings. What are the numbers telling you? And I'm I'm interested in the perspective that the perch that you guys have uh, relative to that. Yeah. And, and it really does come, you, you, uh, you nailed it. it. It's, it comes back to, we're not going to get into the debate of climate change and, and what's there. It's, we look at it from climate risk and say, it's, we know that things are changing. Wildfires didn't really have a major impact on insurers until 2017. And since then look at the wildfires, that we have going on. And, and, you know, so companies, what we're saying to companies is how do you manage that risk? You know, yeah. there's risk of it now. So you have to be prepared for the fact you may write in the wrong County in California and have a problem or Colorado. How are you managing that risk? And same thing with hurricanes, you know, the, the hurricanes, the numbers over the last 20 years are, are have been very high. In, in a lot of cases, been very lucky that they haven't hit where they're at. You know, I, I go back to, I was actually in one of the uh, islands when Hurricane Dorian went over and it went right over me as a category one, no issue. It made a left turn and was, if, if you remember, it was headed straight at Miami as a category five and then made another right turn. Mm -hmm. You know, it, what if it didn't? What would you do? What are you doing as an insurance organization? So we look at it from uh, the perspective of things have definitely changed. We're not trying to figure, we're, we're not really focused on the why it's changed. We know it's changed. What we're focused on is how are you as an insurance company managing that risk of what could possibly happen in this new environment? Mm -hmm. So you look at it from a perspective of this is what the numbers tell us. Yep. Yep. That we know because uh -huh. we know there's more risk out there. We know we know the level of catastrophe losses globally have increased. And, and again, we rate companies all around the globe. So it's not just in the U.S., but, you know, look at Asia and what's going on with the typhoons over there and, and the floods and because different countries have different coverage issues. Mm -hmm. But what are you doing? Because you know that these disasters are occurring at a more frequent rate and they're, they're just as big as the, the bad ones always have been. So do you think it's fair to say downstream as a consumer of insurance, like the three of us are mm -hmm. right in our personal lives, it's just going to cost more. Absolutely. I mean, the best example I have, you know, you look at Florida and, and I hear people, I have friends, you know, all my, my coverage for homeowner insurance is so expensive. It's like, well, Let's look at where you live and the right. number of hurricanes and, and the losses, the average losses from those hurricanes. Then throw on top the fact up until they passed a lot of regulatory form, you had one of the worst litigation environments for insurance in the country. I think it was like something like 80% of the lawsuits, homeowners right. lawsuits in the Correct. country came out of Florida. Yeah. So put those two together and there's no way you possibly can be you know, dealing with all the losses that could come through. And everybody, because the catastrophe risks across the country have gone up, 
everybody's seeing increased losses. And that's why nationwide is looking at it from that perspective. Yes, trend is an issue as well. But, you know, these, these larger companies are looking at it and saying, we got to get a handle on these losses before we can get comfortable. And if, and if regulation will not allow me to get the proper rate to pay those losses, I have to do something different. Absolutely. All very interesting. And, and we've eaten up all of our time and we, have, we haven't even talked about you. <laughs> so I apologize for that. We're, so, but this is how we trick people into getting them to come back on our podcast a second time is you just can't cover everything in the uh, short amount of time that we have. But uh, what a fascinating, uh, interesting business you run. And, uh, and again, thank you so much for, for being with us. We really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm, I, I guess I, I'm a little bit of an insurance geek and, uh, you know, so I'd be you know, happy to, I'm always happy to talk about insurance. Cool. Love it. Thank you, Matt, for being here. Thank you. Thank you. That was really interesting. Wasn't it though? Yeah. We don't usually have the CEO of the major insurance rating company on our podcast. That doesn't happen every day. It was a big deal. Everywhere you look, AM Best is mentioned in the insurance mm-hmm. space. Yeah. And it was it was a really great conversation. And I've enjoyed getting to learn more about them. You know, they have mm-hmm. this whole other side of their business, the information side. We didn't even talk about we talked about ratings today. But AM Best is a they're a they're a big factor in the insurance space. Yeah. Data, it's a data mine, right? I mean, can you imagine the data that they possess and the sway and the influence that they do? But, but, you know, he seems like just the right kind of guy to have Yeah, because he's uh, uh, very humble and down to earth and, um, and has a great handle on, you know, what they do. Well, he's been there forever. I mean, a long time. Close to 30 years. Right, right. Well, we can't, uh, the whole AMBS organization has been so good to us. They were, they were great to have us on their show and uh, we're thrilled. We held them, uh, we hijacked Matt, actually. We, we threatened them to get them to do this. Um, and they, they, they gave up Matt as a sacrificial lamb. And as you heard, he was a great interview. And so yes, our was. thanks to all of AMBest. Uh, and their whole media area, um, as well as to Matt himself. And thanks to you all for being with us today, uh, once again, and in, and putting up with us. And um, I'll say thank you to Alicia today, because Alicia's nice. But I'm not going to say thank you to Al, because Al's not nice. That's not nice. Well, I think Al is you know, fantastic. Turn around, turn about is fair play. And so we'll say what we say every time when we depart the podcast universe, and that is... Goodbye, everybody.